Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, you have your Bible this morning, John chapter 20. Uh, John chapter 20. The only reason uh, your phone should be on or you're looking at your phone is if there's a Bible text on it. Amen. I get nervous at these young men. I never see their eyeballs when I'm preaching. Uh, and then they tell me how spiritual they are. Can you tell I'm wound up today? Amen. Uh, praise God. And so I've instructed the ushers, especially if you're a part of this church, uh, to break your phone and your fingers and rip your ear off. Amen. And one of your eyeballs. And so give respect to the house of God. Uh, or you won't. Uh, what are you going to do in heaven? Lord, <laughs> I can tell some of you, you've never heard a preacher. Uh, John chapter 20, Easter Sunday. Everything we believe as a Christian rests right here. Jesus rose from the grave. He died for our sins. His blood was shed. But there's been a lot of people who have shed blood for others. But the difference is, they put him in a tomb and the Bible says he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And the proof of that was he rose to life. This separates Christianity from all other religions of the world. Many religions have prophets they have books and they have holy places and sacred writings. But none of them claim a resurrected Lord, Savior, the Son of God. The Apostle Paul said these words in 1 Corinthians. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is a vacuum or empty. My focus this morning in this message is the first person Jesus spoke to when he rose from the grave and what he said. The title of this sermon is, Why Are You Weeping? John 20, verse number 11, if you'd turn there. Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping and she wept, she stooped down, looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She's supposing him to be a gardener. Said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, Teacher, it's a term of great respect. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended my father. Now, I'm not preaching on that, but he had to carry the blood, the sacrifice, into the holies of holies in heaven. Father, 
I have not returned to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them. This is the first time Jesus ever called them brethren. I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples she had seen the Lord, that he had spoken these things to her. Father, we come by the Holy Ghost. We come by the blood of Jesus and the power of your word. God, I pray, God, resurrection power live in this people and in this place. God, I pray you raise those from the dead of their sin, death of backsliding, death of immorality. God, raise marriages back to life, minds and bodies and spirit. We thank you this morning for your resurrection power. In Jesus' name, amen. In this text, Mary Magdalene is weeping at the empty tomb. So what is weeping? What is this term here in the Greek? Uh, It said she stood outside um, the tomb weeping um, and she stooped down and she looked into the tomb. This word is more than just crying here. This word is is to wail or lament in anguish, to mourn. In other words, it's more than just an emotion. It's more than just tears. uh, But it's this deep... uh, deep response out of the soul or out of the heart. It's heartbreaking. Same word, Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. And they're weeping. And he saw Mary, Lazarus' sister, weeping. John eleven thirty three. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Bible says Jesus wept. The Bible says, then Jesus again groaning in himself. In other words, this word here, she's deeply moved in her spirit, in her heart of hearts, in her soul. It's much deeper, as I said, than just some kind of feeling or some kind of emotional response. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet named Jeremiah. He's called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah 9, 1, Oh, that my head were filled with waters, my eyes were a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. And this describes, Lamentation describes the funeral of a city, the sacred city, Jerusalem. And he paints this portrait in Lamentations, this great city reduced to rubble, the holocaust of God's eternal city. But it's interesting in the book of Ecclesiastes, he weeps verse by verse. The chapters carry the Hebrew alphabet and some have said he wept from A to Z. But in the middle of the book of Lamentations, he cries out, Great, O God, is your faithfulness. But again, here is this deep internal agony of soul. Going somewhere, stay with me. Hannah, 1 Samuel 1, 7, Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? She's in the house of God praying. She's barren. She has no child. Her soul is crushed. 
The Bible says she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. This is so demonstrable. Eli thinks she's drunk. She's weeping, praying, refuses to eat. How do you weep? See, what we're talking about is not some high school drama queen. Or we're not talking about some, and this is a hysterical generation. Drop of the hat. I was reading just recently, uh, and as I was studying for this, some girl lost, she couldn't find her pants, and so she, she went hysterically weeping and went and hid in the closet. That's not what we're talking about. They write books about high school drama, plays and movies. It's all about high theater. A lot of emotion, a lot of tears, a lot of drama, a lot of expression. The workplace, they have this term, the drama queen. About breaking up and betrayals and I'm hurt and I'm offended and gossip and all of these things. One quote, a lot of girls graduate from high school, but they never graduate from the teenage drama. To them, weeping is like a profession. It's an art form. It's a performance. This emotional addiction that brings some kind of release. I've seen that. I've seen people come to the altar and weep and they get some kind of emotional relief, but there's no change of life. They're not converted. They're not born again. See, I'm talking about something much different, deeper, and much more powerful than just some expression. And thank God for emotion. Thank God that, that your heart can bleed out through your emotions. But I'm talking about here, she's weeping. This is much more in the Greek than just some kind of emotional release now I feel better, but I'm not going to change. I'm not affected. Nothing is different. It's the reason Jesus cast the mourners, these professional mourners, out of Jairus' house. Jairus' daughter has died, Luke, 6, uh, Luke 8, 52. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep, she's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed Jesus, knowing that she had died. But he put them all outside saying, little girl, arise. And immediately she arose. It's common in their culture to employ mourners to come to your house. It was like a profession. But they hindered resurrection power. But the question I want to ask you this morning, the same question they ask Mary and the angels ask her, why are you weeping? What makes you weep? What moves you deep in your soul to anguish? She said, they've taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. Have you ever wept? Because you couldn't find Jesus? Something is shifted in her relationship. Do you weep when you go to prayer and 
there's an absence? Does that move you? What do you weep over? He's not where she thought he would be. They've taken my Lord away, she said. I can't find him. Something's different. <coughs> she understood it's possible for people to take Jesus from you. It's possible to threaten your relationship with Jesus. The demonic uses people to try to separate your relationship. Put distance between you and the Lord. Hell uses people just like God uses people. I've seen people come and get powerfully, have a relationship with God and a husband or a wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, partying friends, people from the world, parents even. I've seen where someone had a relationship and she understood to some degree the possibilities. They've, they've taken him. Do you allow other people to take Jesus out of your life? Do you allow other people to interfere and drive a wedge between you and the Son of the living God. And when that happens, do you weep? Do you weep? She came expecting to see him there. I can't live without him. Think of this. This is Mary Magdalene, that broken been with many men, demon-possessed, seven demons violated, this adulterous woman. She's had relationship. And Jesus adds to the question, why are you weeping? And then he says, whom are you seeking? Who are you seeking? In life, with your time, your mind, your energy, what you call your life. Who do you really seek? Who are you, who are you looking for? Who, are you, who is your eye fixed on? He said, who are you seeking? The Bible says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that people run after be added to you. Who are you seeking? Who are you looking for? Are you seeking the world? Bible says, love not the world, nor the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What do you, who? Who do you run to when you have problems? Who do you seek for the answers? Who do you look for when you're wanting some kind of meaning in life, some kind of hope? Who can save me? Who can fix me? Who can bind up the brokenhearted? Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
call upon while he is near. Let the wickedness forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. The Lord will have mercy on him to our God for he will abundantly. Did you come this morning seeking Jesus or is it simply a ritual? It's Easter, I need to pay my dues. Show my face. Who are you seeking? Not just on Easter, but tomorrow and Wednesday and April 2017 if you're still living. 2020. He asked her, who are you seeking? And I ask you that same question this morning. At the mouth of this empty tomb called the resurrection, Easter morning, who are you seeking? Who are you running after? Who has your answers to life? Heaven and hell, eternity, death, Agony, the grave, my sin. The problem, if you don't believe Jesus rose from the grave, he can be standing right beside you and you won't recognize him. That's the problem. That was her problem. You know the big problem? When you need him the most... When your life is stripped, and that's what's happened to Mary Magdalene. Disappointment waves, agony, crisis. When you need resurrection power, you need to know the resurrected Savior the most so many times. Because of the emotion, because of the, of the traumatic experience you're going through, he can be standing right there and you don't even know it's him. Is he your resurrected Savior when all of hell is falling on you? When your life is being ripped apart? See, don't tell me about resurrection if it's not real in your life. Don't preach to me about a risen, empty tomb if he can't resurrect things in our personal life. She thinks he's the gardener. Let me ask you in your deepest, most traumatic time. Do you recognize him as the risen Lord? Truth is, our pain can blind us to where we never see his power when we desperately need it the most. Think of this. In her mind, it's over. She was there at the crucifixion. She was there at the tomb. His death. And now she's here again. In her mind, if all you see is the crucifix, and all you see is the death, you're missing the most important part. 
and her mind gets finished. I wonder how many of you here, you've put things in the grave that God wants to resurrect. And because it, you saw it go in the grave, maybe a chapter of your life, Maybe a dream that you once had. A vision for God. A hope. And it went into the... And, and he's standing there to bring life to that which is dead. But you don't even recognize him. You put your marriage in a tomb. It's over. Then you don't believe in resurrection power. And if that's going to be the last chapter then don't preach to me about the empty tomb. How many times do we put an end to things? If we would just see Jesus, it's the beginning. This is the beginning. We see the last chapter of the book. He says, wait, wait, wait. This is the introduction. Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. He calls her name. He says, Mary. And in the Greek, it has, she, she thinks he's a guard. He, and he, Mary, I'm talk, it's me talking to you. You've, you know my voice. Well, what do you mean? If you're not careful, the crisis and the agony and the trauma of the moment of that, of that, that chapter of your life is so loud and it so distorts, he can speak to you. And you don't even know it's him. But when he calls your name, can he call your name this morning? Can he speak to you? Can he get personal with you? This, this is not a crowd scene here. This, this, this is not, not, not healing the multitude. This is not a feeding the thousands. This is one woman. Can he speak to you this morning? Can he call your name? Can he call your name? Can he call you by name? You're here this morning. You're unsaved. Your life has been buried. That's what sin does. Sin buries you. That's, that's what it says. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. Sin kills you. Sin will bury everything that's noble about you. If, if you allow it, sin will bury, destroy everything that's virtuous, everything that's righteous, everything that's pure, everything that would be holy, anything that would have his signature, any kind of dream or hope or vision of life. Sin puts it in the grave. The wages of sin is death. Maybe that's you. That's you. Sin is eating you up one day, one month, one year, one decision at a time. Can he call your name? Can he call your name? Can he call your name?
Mary, don't you know who's talking to you? Listen, don't you know who's talking to you? This changes everything. I wonder many times we're weeping when we should be listening for his voice. If you're saved, if you're born again, remember that service or that experience you had? When you were there in church, it's like, it's like you're the only one there. He became so personal and so real to you. You had to pray. You became so convicted of, of where you, how you were living and carrying on. Of your God. I, and it became so, so horrible. So degrading to you. The life that you were living. Used to it was exciting, but now how can I be that way? How could I act like that? How could I live like that? He convicted you. Called your name. Can he call your name this morning? Is he calling your name? You're playing with things that have death written all over them. Once she recognized who it was, the Bible says she ran to tell the story. He's alive. He lives. He is not dead. I've heard him call my name. That's your witness. That's your testimony. That's what the world cannot deny. I saw him. Look at me. I'm no longer. You don't see these tears running down my face anymore. Because he's alive. You don't see me acting all crazy. Because he lives in me. I've changed. That's what salvation is. That's what being a Christian is. We're changed from glory to glory. Into his likeness. and Not likeness of the world. Listen, listen. I've lived a long time. I've seen so many fashions and styles. and You know, tattoos are in today. You know, it's a fashion statement. Connie's father was in the military. He's long deceased. He had a tattoo. It used to be a Navy thing. But when you get old, <laughs> it looked like a, 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 a nitro blob. A nuclear explosion on his arm. Maybe it said mother at one time. I don't know. but it, I mean, you, what is that? It looks like a wart or a mole that, that, that backslid or something. Hey, there's, but that's a picture. Listen, listen. You run after things. Listen to this old man. You run after things. And I did. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day. Listen, I'm talking about not just in this life. I'm talking about after death. I'm talking about defeating. Not, I'm talking about being set free. 
I'm talking about change from glory to glory into His likeness. I'm talking about there's now vision not just for here but beyond the grave. Acts 4.33, with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. This is our message to the world. And you know what? It's spoken by you and demonstrated by you. You must tell your story in the streets, in the school, your family, your neighborhood, your work, to the nations. We must tell this story. Peter's first sermon. You crucified him and put him to death. And he says in Acts 2.24, Whom God raised from the dead, raised up having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible hell could hold him. When they heard this, they were cut to their heart. What shall we do? He said, I want you to repent. 3,000 souls were added. Will you run and tell the world that he's alive? Who did you tell yesterday that Jesus is alive? In me, it's not just a day on the map or the calendar. Who did you tell this week and next week? Listen, he's alive because he lives in me. Look at me. This is who I was. This is who I am. And that's because he rose. Broke the curse. Is that your testimony? Are you the same old mean, nasty self? Carry the same old funky attitudes. Listen, that's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. Jesus didn't die. Just that you could just say a prayer, praise the Lord, and then just walk out your old, corrupt, fornicating, flesh-eating self. You know what fornicating is? It's when you sleep around, you're not married. And you'll go to hell for that. I'll repeat it. You will go to hell for that. The Bible says there'll be none of those people in heaven. Now you can try to rewrite it for 20 century, but God's not rewriting The same yesterday, today, and forever. See, he didn't die and defeat everything that causes you to tremble. That it could just be casual. Oh, yeah. Don't tell me you've met him and you're not changed. It's impossible. Everyone in that book that met him, everyone he touched, they were never the same. Or they backslid like Judas and became worse. What about it this morning? If he's changed you, you've got to speak it and declare it. And you know what? The world has every right to see. Who wants to be a Christian if they're no different than the way I am? Who wants to go? Why should I go to church if they're just like the people I hang out at the club with? And if you're unsaved, that's one thing. I'm talking about if you say I'm a Christian. You know what staggered me years ago? I got saved some 44 years ago. And you know, I was insane. I was violent. You've heard my tell. I was drugs, alcohol. Connie was my wife. She was crazy too. Praise the Lord. Amen. (laughs) But you know what shocked me? 
Once I got saved, how many partying friends all of a sudden came up and says, hey, hey, man, why don't you go to church with me? I said, you go to church? Yeah. I'm not sure I want to go to that church. <laughs> hey, if we're no different, if you can't shake somebody by your testimony and your lifestyle and your behavior and where you go and how you talk and live, if you can't shake them because they see Christ in you, and that's what the Bible says, they have every right to see Christ in you, their hope. If you don't do that, and I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking, we're not talking about some, we're, we, all, we all have assets and deficits, faults and but I'm talking about there's something in you that says, you know what, I'm not the same. Oh, I may not be here yet, but I'm not there anymore. And you know what? That is so powerful. That is so real. That is so Jesus. That's resurrection. That's no longer in, I'm not in that tomb of addiction. I'm not living in that grave of insanity. I'm not living in a lifestyle that will embarrass God because He lives. Because He lives. Let me ask you how much of life's insanity could be avoided? If we just believed that he's risen and he's standing there waiting to demonstrate resurrection power in our personal life. Jesus is personal. So many of the religions of the world, Buddhism, Hinduism, I was a missionary in Malaysia. I mean, the religions of the world, it's like God's, you know, had to, He's personal. He wants to live in you. And when he lives in you, things that were buried and dead, dying and smell like Lazarus in the tomb, you know what happens? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It comes to life again. That can be you. If you'll believe. If you do you believe that he's still resurrecting dead people's lives, dead marriages, dead souls? Or have you kind of put some quotes, parentheses, you've shrunk the resurrection? just a story that happened some 2,000 years ago. I ask you to bow your head with me this morning. Heads are bowed for a moment. Can he call your name? Has he been speaking to you? He wants to save you this morning. He wants to break the curse of sin. He wants to forgive you. He died for you. 
but he didn't just die. He rose from the grave that you can experience a resurrected life in all the arenas. I'm not talking about just some one night stand, so to speak. I'm talking about a relationship. I'm about a changed life. I'm talking about a new future, a new destiny. He's here this morning. He wants to give you a miracle. He wants to be your Easter Sunday morning resurrection. But will you seek Him? Can He speak to you? He's calling your name. He's calling your name. He's calling your name. Right now this morning, He is calling your name. He said, come unto me, all of you that are laboring, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He said, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If any man hear my voice, let him open that door. He said, I'll come in. You're here this morning. Say, Pastor Campbell, I need Jesus. I've sought. I've looked for a lot of people and a lot of things. But this morning, I need to be forgiven of my sin. I need a miracle in my heart and life. Pastor, I need prayer this morning. Would you allow me to pray for you? I wonder how many right now, I believe God is speaking to people in this place. You'd lift your hand right now and say, that's me. Just lift it up. Lift it up. Front to back, side to side. That's me. Yes, I see your hand. How many more? Just lift it up. God's speaking to you. Come on, come on, come on. Let God give you a miracle. I see your hand. God bless you, dear. Thank you.